Hey, 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 and welcome to episode 13 of the podcast. On a quick note, 13 is the number of Dan Marino, my all-time favorite NFL player for the Miami Dolphins and the star of Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Anywho, this podcast is all about helping parents and other adults launch their teenagers, and we are specifically talking with Chris Shepard today, a friend of mine who's a college pastor in Texas, and he and I talk about what we can do to set up high school students for success in college. It was a great interview, so here we go. Hey everybody, uh, I'm here today with Chris Shepard from Brazos Church in Texas. And Chris, I'm going to give you an opportunity to uh, kind of introduce yourself here, but thanks so much for being here with us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and take a few minutes and tell us who you are and what you do and all of that good stuff. Yeah, thanks so much, Dennis, for inviting me on to this podcast, and I'm excited to be here. So like you said, my name is Chris Shepard. I am the college pastor, which, you know, if you look around the nation, there are not a ton of college pastors, so I'm in a, a smaller group. There's so many churches that don't have those, but I'm in College Station, Texas, so we're two miles away from like the third largest university in the nation, Texas A&M. I had the chance to go here as an undergrad, stayed and got my master's, and then just never left, so... Uh, I'm married to my wife, Leisha. She is a pediatric nurse, and we have two amazing, spunky little girls. Landry is four, Campbell is two, and we've been here in the College Station area for, well, I guess about 12 and a half years now, and absolutely love it here, and get to do college ministry, hang out with college students full-time, although not quite as much recently, but uh, hopefully we'll be getting back to some of that soon. Yeah, yeah. So 12 years in College Station. How long have you been at the church uh, as the pastor? I have been at, yeah, I've been at Brazos Fellowship. So we actually launched the college ministry in the summer of 2014. So we are six, just finished our sixth year of college ministry. I was here in a different role for about two years prior to that, doing some like video editing and tech stuff. Uh, before we launched the ministry. My wife and I were just leading a college small group. It was kind of the only thing we had for college students, and we were leading in our living room and outgrew our living room. And then the church was like, because the church is only about 15 years old. And so at that point, they were like, hey, we're we're ready to kick this thing off for college students and have an official ministry. And they invited me to kind of transition over and, and help lead that. So it's been an adventure to say the least, but it's, <laughs> man, it's been so amazing and more than I could have possibly imagined. So, so like, like you said, there aren't very many college pastors. So what does a college pastor actually do? Like what, what are you, what are you supposed to like, <laughs> if somebody asks, Hey, what do you do? What is, what is your main job, your main responsibility? Um, what are, what are the things that you do? <laughs> oh, that is a trick question. Um, because if you asked a lot of my coworkers, they would be like, all you do is like go eat out with students and hang out on campus. And it's pretty much accurate. I spend a lot of time hanging out with students, kind of going to where they are. So we have a lot of just game nights and I play a lot of video games and I go to a lot of coffee shops. I actually ironically don't drink coffee, but I go what? to coffee shops all the time. And I know, right? Uh <laughs> it's, it, it's funny because in grad school, somebody was like, you will never survive grad school without coffee. And I just kind of took it as a challenge because I had drank coffee up to that point. I was like, oh, you want to bet? And so once I finished grad school, then it was like, well, you won't survive kids without. And I'm like, ah, I got this by now. So yeah, I don't drink coffee. But yeah, I, I, I get to spend a lot of time with students in their domain and in 
in their territory in their dorm rooms or in their apartments and just get to do life with them, which I know is kind of a catchphrase that is really popular that um, can be confusing or even a little cliche, but, but it's really true. Just getting to walk with them in their day in and day out and, and get to experience life from their perspective and the struggles and the triumphs. And we are all about just really building community and connecting them to each other and teaching them what, authentic biblical community looks like and so i get to model that and my favorite part about it probably is that i get to model that in my home for my two girls and they get to see college students over at the house all the time and and they're growing up in an environment that's just authentic biblical community which is super fun so what's the what's the the hardest part about being a college pastor who um it's messy, and I think that that's true of ministry in general. But I think um, probably probably the hardest thing is this is kind of students' first step into like life on their own, and they're they're discovering so many things on their own for the first time, and they're navigating new territory, and and they may have dated in high school, but it wasn't it was nothing like what it looks like in college and they had friend groups in high school, but it's nothing like what it looks like in college. And they maybe even worked in high school, but it's different than it is in college. And so they're, they're overwhelmed with so much new and so much like uh, just discovery and identity and to walk with them is, is both the hardest thing that I do and the most rewarding thing that I do of getting to see them really have that self discovery and then figure out, where faith fits into that and what it looks like for them to have their own authentic faith and a true relationship with Christ, not because somebody told them it was a good idea, but because as they're doing life, they're figuring out, I need this. And this is, this is at the center of who I am as a human being. And I have a a true need and desire for that. So it's both, like I said, most rewarding and most difficult part of being a college pastor And, and just, uh, probably the, the like the silliest most difficult thing is relationships when they start dating they're in the college ministry start dating and then they break up but they're both still in the college ministry that's just oh yeah that's oh, fun I'm it's sure. like awkwardly painful yeah yeah uh, yeah the, no it seems like developmentally that it would be like a really rewarding kind of a time because it feels like uh most people you know we we even if we come through the church you kind of come through church you grow up in church probably around 11th 12th grade you almost disconnect a little bit and then if you are good enough or not not good enough but if you are lucky enough or god does something in your life then in college someone comes alongside you and shows you what it means to to become mature uh, not just spiritually but physically as well and so then then you kind of get to see the blossoming of that like as a student pastor a lot of times I see that, but then I see that wane a little bit in the 12th mm-hmm. grade year because there's just life comes at you fast. And then I'm assuming sure. that once you get to college, especially if you're going away to college, you, you just got to grow up. And so like you grow up in so yes. many ways in faith and in uh, in life and just maturity wise. And so that that was my experience as a as a student, you know, as a college freshman. I grew up in the church my entire life, uh, you know, wasn't a bad kid. But, you know, 12th grade, you get to be a little bit kind of like, hey, I'm on my own now. Right. You go off to college and I, right. I went to I went to Liberty. So I went to a Christian college. 
And it was like, I saw people who actually read their Bible every day and had a relationship with Jesus. And then that's whenever I was like, yeah. Hey, I want that. And so on top of yeah. the living away from mom and dad and being able to grow, I kind of, so to me, it feels like, man, being a, being a college pastor can probably have a lot of those like really positive experiences of getting to see, I mean, I'm sure there's challenges obviously, but, uh, those are the kinds yeah. of like the blossoming of what student pastors strive for their entire time that they're like battling through the middle school years <laughs> with like, is this kid ever going to get it? Right. <laughs> and so like you get to kind of reap yeah. those, those rewards, uh, yes. as, as you go. Um, so I guess, I guess, uh, this this podcast is really for parents of high schoolers, middle schoolers, and so I kind of wanted to talk with you a little bit about how uh, you know what are some of the qualities or the characteristics of uh, some of the kids who get it in college. What are some of the the things that like whenever you see a kid show up as a freshman uh, and you and you kind of get to see that obviously you get to see the blossoming, but like. What are the kinds of things, the characteristics that they've already got or that you know somebody's been working with them on that really probably make your job easier? Uh, obviously, there's always bumps and stuff. We're talking in generalities, but like, sure. what, are, what are some of those things like and what are the things that we can do as parents uh, of ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th graders who that we can like kind of smooth that transition for them as they go? What a loaded question. Um, yeah, man, I think, it, I think, I think that... it was actually kind of like two or three questions in one, but we'll, we can go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's okay. I think that one of the things it, you started out asking, like, what are some of the characteristics or traits that I have seen in students that would be labeled as successful or students that tend to get it a little better, or a little quicker, maybe, maybe that it's easier for them to make that transition. And I think the number one thing that comes to mind is students who have some sense of ownership and like self-dependence, not like a, a standoffish independent, like, no, I've got this myself and I don't need your help. It's not that as much as it is like I can think for myself, like I have been entrusted with making some decisions that were important decisions. I haven't been like kept out of the loop on all of these things. I'm not just doing something because I've been told to do it, but I actually am here because I want this. Like I want to go to school. I want to go to this school. I want to pursue Christ. I want to find a church. I want to grow in my faith. And, and those things come when as parents, and like I said, I have two little girls, as parents, when we begin to relinquish some of the control, this transition from, especially from high school to college is the first time in the life of this student that they're experiencing something for the first time by themselves. Because all of the other transitions in their life, if they have grown up in a home where there was a parent or two parents or grandparents, whoever was taking care of them, there was always someone that was there that loved them, that was connected with them, that was walking with them in each of these transitions, transitioning into middle school, transitioning into high school, their first relationship, learning to drive a car, like whatever those things were, there was always somebody with them. And now they're having to make these choices and do these things on their own. And you need to help set them up for that and let them realize that they are capable of making those types of decisions. And you know what? Sometimes they're not going to make the best decision. You need to help 
them be able to walk through and navigate that while they're in the safety of your home rather than waiting until they have left and then be like, okay, good luck. I hope you make all the right choices because you and I know and, and all of the parents out there know we didn't make all the right choices in college. I didn't make all the right choices in high school. And my I don't make all the right choices phenomenal. now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And my parents were phenomenal and, and I grew up in the church and, but they, they did, they held on to a lot of control. And so I struggled when I went out on my own because I didn't know how to think for myself. I didn't know how to make decisions for myself. And that shows up in a lot of practical ways. Like, can they do their own laundry? Can they cook their own food? Like, do they know how to, you and I would say balance a checkbook, but get online on their app and figure out how much money they have. Like, whatever that is. Like, do <laughs> what they does know it mean to, to balance a check things now? Balancing. Balancing a checkbook. Who's, who know, does that? Right? I don't know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know the last time I balanced a checkbook. But, right, right. But I, I just think that if we can teach them some independence and if we can teach them to stand on their own two feet, to ask hard questions, let them start doing that in the safety of your home where you're there to catch them when they fall, when they make a bad choice and you know it's going to be a bad choice as long as it's not going to be harmful. Like let them experience the pain of making a less than amazing choice. And then you're there to talk them yeah it sounds with, like you're talking so, through with them yeah sorry it sounds like you're talking a lot about um discernment right like let's let's how do we yes. teach discernment in our day-to-day -day, even through the the upper high school years whenever they get a chance to make those decisions and it's not always like i'm going to call dad and should i do this should i do that should i not do this should i do that right. but but kind of like have some of those easy easier decisions that are that are made um on on their own that's hard to do as a parent too that's like super hard to like absolutely because we don't want them to fail we do think we know better usually we do right like I mean, sure that's right um, right but it yeah those, so those are some that's some good ideas what what else can we do what are other qualities or characteristics yeah discernment is a great word for that and i, I think um that just play so much into that idea of independence. Uh, this is the first time that your kid is going to go looking for a church. Like they've always just gone to church where you went to church and where you told them to go to church. And so they're going to be making that decision for themselves. And then I think like the more you can set them up with a desire for healthy things. And so that doesn't come from, um, I'm learning this with my four-year-old right now. It doesn't come just from disciplining poor choices it comes from rewarding good choices and when you reward good choices their desire increases to do more good because they want to continue to be rewarded and i think that that plays itself out in high school as well that we're not just the parent that's like constantly coming down on them if they miss curfew or if they get a bad grade or whatever but when they're making good choices when they're surrounding themselves with the right people when they when you see them like doing a quiet time or choosing to go to youth group on whatever night wednesday nights or sunday nights or whenever it is like when you see them wanting to do the right things, like rewarding that, speaking life into them, telling them that you're proud of them, that you see the decisions that they're making and, and it, helping them increase that desire for those things on their own. So I think that discernment and desire for healthy things are, are two of the biggest characteristics that when students get to me and that is already there and already kind of baked into who they are, they are set up for so much more success to launch well into college. 
Okay, so let's let's play uh, a game. Let's pretend that I got a 12th grader that is all of a sudden going to college near you, um, and I live in Kentucky, and I'm like, okay, my, my kid's going to – somehow he got, I don't know, a baseball scholarship to Texas A&M, and uh, probably not. But, you know, let's just say that, that that's happening. <laughs> And, uh, and he's going to go, and I'm like, I really want my kid to get plugged in at church. I really want him to, to do well. Uh, like, what, what do I need? What should I be doing maybe, like, in the eight months before he goes off to college? I know, like, by then it might be too late yeah. to, like, really just get started on, like, discernment and those kinds of things. Sure. But, but are there, like, really super practical things that I could do, like, in those eight months? Do I, do I call you up? Do I say, hey, can you make sure my kid gets to, gets to church? What do you think about those kinds of uh, things? What are things that I could do maybe for that? Yeah, so you can definitely call me up or whoever is in that area. And, and I get those calls and I get those emails all the time. And, and what I would say to that parent or to that grandparent is absolutely, I will reach out to them. If the college ministry is worth anything, then they are absolutely going to reach out to any any leads or any contacts that they have. Because I'm like the only ministry at my church that has to openly recruit for people to come join my ministry. And it's not like that for anyone else. But but college ministry definitely are recruiting for students. And so, yes, I would say making those connections. But honestly, what I would suggest is sit down and start having conversations. Like start asking your student, like, what is it that you love about this church, the, the church where you're attending? Or what is it that you don't like about this church? Like what if you were to look for a church, what would be the things that you would look for? And then maybe say, hey, you give them an assignment or you do it like do it and then show them like get online and Google like churches in that community and find out based on whether that's a denominational preference or it's a style preference or it's an outreach preference or whatever it is that your student is most moved and motivated by. Find some churches and it, dependent on the time frame, like if you're going to go visit that college or that college town, like uh, do it around the opportunity to go visit one or two churches, you know, even in today's society on Sunday morning, you could go to an early service at one church and a late service at another church and hit two services in one Sunday. And so like finding, doing some research for that, I think helps a ton. We have prospective students all the time that their parent or the student reach out to me and they're like, Hey, we're going to be in town checking out Texas A&M on this weekend. And we wanted to stop by and I'll be like, Hey, I'll be out in the lobby. Please come say hi. I would love to talk to you. And so I, I think that if you can, have your students start even just looking and thinking about, again, it comes back to that discernment and how to make choices. Like, what is it that would draw you to a church? Is it because that's where your friends are going? Is it because you are you have a heart for missions and they take a lot of trips every summer? Is it because they have a big college ministry? Or is it because they have a small college ministry? Are you really excited about getting involved in a small group? Are you really excited about the style of worship? What, what does the Sunday morning experience look like? Do you want traditional? Do you want contemporary? Like having the student think through those things, I think before they leave your house is huge. Cause again, they probably have been going to the church you're going to, and likely they've been going there for a long time, unless you recently moved. And so they, they have never thought about these things and how to like, even like list off churches and say, okay, yeah, that doesn't make it a bad church, but it's not the right church for me. They don't, they don't know how to process through that and make those decisions because they've never had to do it before. Yeah, they need to ask stuff like, do they preach the Bible and uh, those kinds of things. 
just on their own, right? Like, I, yeah, mean, absolutely. I mean, those are like the dumb yeah. questions, but they're the, the dumb, smart questions, right? <laughs> Which I, when I was in, yeah, I love it. I love it. When I get asked that question, do you preach from the Bible? And yeah. sometimes I just want to look at the student and be like, no, we, we don't. What's the yeah. Bible? What's the Bible? We check but the, I, check you know, that box. Mom told me to ask. Questions. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so in um, in language learning, there's actually a a thing called the dumb smart question, and so if you're in another country and you're learning a language, you actually do go up to people and you ask them the question that you already know the answer to, so that you can hear the way that they respond, because almost everybody responds in a different way. Like, hey, where's the bank? One person might say, oh, it's two blocks to the right. Somebody else might say, oh, you pass one or two streets and then it's, uh, you, you know, you find that statue and you turn right, you know, so, so you actually do ask dumb, yeah. smart questions in sometimes, but asking if a church is preaching the Bible, you could probably find that out without asking the question, right? Um, you probably should find that out without asking the question. <laughs> yeah, I hope you already know that answer before you ask the question. Yes. Um, so, yeah. so what are some other things, like what are things that I could do, like me, just thinking about youth ministry, how can I better prepare our kids um, for college, for hanging on to their faith? What are some of those, like are there, are there practices that they need to be, be doing? Are there things that I can do to kind of encourage? I know discernment is a big one. I know a lot of the things we've already talked about are important, but just as a student pastor, uh, what can I do with my high schoolers to get them prepped for college? Do you have any kind of ideas or thoughts yeah. on that? Such a great question. I think that, um, the number one thing, and this is true, whether you're a parent, whether you're a youth pastor, uh, if you're breathing, this is important. And, and as soon as I say it, you're gonna be like, yeah, I've heard this before, but help students figure out why, like, why, do, why should they care? Why do they care? Why do they have a relationship with Christ? Why do they read their Bible? Why do they practice spiritual disciplines? And I think that in college, that's often when these students struggle with finding these answers because they have never asked that question before. Or if they asked, the answer was simply because my parents told me to, because that's what they do at my church, because my youth pastor said it was important. And all of those things are wonderful, but those are not enough motivation to sustain someone through rocky seasons and through difficulties when they're on their own and mom's not there to wake them up at 830 to make sure that they get up and go to church or their youth pastor's not there every week to remind them, hey, you need to be reading your word. Like as human beings, we cannot eat one time a week and be healthy. Like we have to consume more than once a week. And the same is true in our relationship with Christ. But I understand why I eat physical food because I need it to nourish myself. I need to have strength, I need to have stamina. I know I need to eat more healthy food than I eat junk food because I want to be alive long enough to play with my little girls. Like we have all of this knowledge and we understand why we do those things. But then when it comes to our faith, I think so often we don't stop and slow down enough to answer the question, why? Why is this important? So what? Like that's great somebody told you to do that, but are, like, are you really going to do that? Like when it gets hard or is that enough motivation for you to keep doing that because you want to please mom and dad? Like no one's watching, no one's standing over your shoulder anymore telling you to do that. And so I think that the sooner that someone can take personal responsibility for their faith, 
and, and personal ownership. Like this is my faith. This is my relationship with Jesus because I want to do it. I want to practice these things. I want to spend time with God. I want to study the word. I want to pray. I desire to go and be in community with people that are pointed in the same direction as me. Those desires come from a place of understanding, not from a place of theology, not from a place of knowing what the Bible says, but from a place of understanding. I eat this because I want to be able to do these things. And I have this relationship with God because of what it does in my life and what it does in my mind and in my spirit and the person that I am when I'm developing and pursuing that relationship with Christ. And so I think that that is like the sole most important thing that anyone that has influence over anyone else should be helping them discover their why when it comes to their relationship with Christ. Yeah, isn't it funny? Like you you have, your kids are how old again? Four four years old four and two yeah four and two and that's like the probably the number one question that a two-year-old asks is why right like oh my daddy why 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 and i i don't know that whenever you get to be 20 that you stop asking that question like we're still asking why why do we have to do this why why do we have to wear a mask why do we have to, you know, whatever, like you could, I don't want to get all political on us, right. but like, that's what people are asking <laughs> all over everywhere is, well, why, why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Why, who, who, who made you the boss of me? Kind of, kind of, those are all why mm-hmm. questions. And so like, as you're saying that I'm thinking, yeah, it's not something I, I think we're perpetually asking that question of why it's almost been ingrained in us from the time we're really young to uh you know just to be honestly asking well why is this why am i doing this why is this good for me why do i need to continue doing this and i think things kind of uh peel back you know and we do begin to see the answer to that even though we're still kind of asking that question why do i need to read the word of god well i know why but i still wake up in the morning sometimes and i'm like okay why am i reading it today sure and i'll go back to it and i'll be like okay well why did i read that three weeks ago and what is god doing and what is god saying and why am i in this position and why am I looking at this thing? And so I I do kind of, uh, I definitely agree with you on that. Like the whole why, when I was in college, my freshman year, um, I grew up in a Christian home, grew up in a Christian school, understood all kinds of stuff about, uh, the gospel and about the Bible and about God. Um, but I do remember, you know, as a freshman in college to begin to understand a little bit more about the why. Uh, now I know why my youth pastor was constantly telling us that we needed to memorize yeah. the scripture or we needed to read our Bibles or we needed to be praying. Um, now I understood why those things were important because it was impossible to have a relationship with God really Absolutely. without communing with him. Right. And so, uh, just as you're kind of thinking through those things, I think that's, that's definitely, um, a question that we as parents ought to be, um, you know, instilling in our kids. So go to the why ask the, and here's, here's the hardest part about that is the answer cannot be because mom and dad said so. 
because the, like my my daughter at four and my daughter at two, they're constantly asking why, and sometimes it feels like they're challenging me, and they want to like it. They don't. They're not trying to increase their like cognitive understanding. Like right. they're just pushing back. Like why? Why do I have to do this? Whatever. But as we get older, there are some areas of our life where we just like slip into this comfort of okay, the why is because I'm going to get in trouble if I don't. The why is because mom and dad said I had to do it. And I've now learned that when I don't obey and don't do those things, there are repercussions that come from that. But that cannot be the reason when it comes to someone's faith. Like it absolutely cannot be. That is not a sustainable faith. And just like you said, as you get into freshman year in college, you started to understand I've heard these things. My youth pastor and my parents have been telling me these things, but it's starting to make sense now on why they were telling me those things. And the earlier we can help people have that understanding and have them really answer those questions for themselves, the better off they are. Yeah, and I, th- I think that it, it does kind of remind us of the need for patience in parenting as well. Like you yes. can answer the question why like a hundred times and your daughter might not understand why you answered the way that you did. Yeah. Uh, like, Hey daddy, why, why can't I touch the stove? Well, because it's hot. Okay. I don't get that. Like, I don't want you to get yeah. hurt. Why can't I play out in the road? Cause there are cars out there. Why can't I do this? But like, as they grow up, they understand, oh, okay, now I get it. You were really actually looking out right. for me, right? Like I can think of things that my parents wouldn't allow me to do. And I was like, why, why, why? I'm not a baby anymore, <laughs> da, 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 da. Yep. And, and yep. now as a parent, I'm like, yeah, I don't blame them. I definitely agree yeah. with my parents now, even yep. though I didn't back whenever I was a teenager, I used to be like, Nope, I'm not, Absolutely. I don't, I don't, you're not giving me the right answer. And mom and dad were like, we are giving you the right answer. You just don't understand it yet. And so, uh, I think that's, <laughs> yep. you know, that's, that's kind of what you're saying about the, the answer can't always be because mom and dad said, so it can be that at certain times during, <laughs> during sure. our life, sure. but that can't be the end all answer. Like, why are you a Christian? Right. Why do you, why do you follow Jesus? I don't think, well, I know it's, we're not going to get to heaven and God's going to say, oh, well, your mom, your mom told you to believe in me, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Come on, let's do it. You know, uh, it's not, it's not pleasing, uh, to God at all. I don't think as far as that, like it should start that way. Like, I mean, I I should be instilling things in my kids, but with the goal and the patience as a parent, of being like, I'm praying one day my kids will see the beauty of the gospel and will see the beauty of following Jesus. And they may not get that right now. Absolutely. They might be able to answer the questions, you know, why do we read the Bible to get to know God? Okay. Do you know God? Not quite yet. Okay. Well, then you don't have the why yet, but you do have the, you got the answer, but you don't know the why. Right. So that's, that's yeah, kind of, absolutely. um, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, so do you have anything else, uh, that you want to share with us about, uh, what we need to be doing to prep our kids for college? Uh, I'm kind of out of questions. So, uh, you know, this is a free for all now. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, one last kind of real practical thing, uh, especially if you have students that are 
like maybe in 11th grade or 12th grade and they're getting ready for this transition to college. And, and I know like as a college pastor, I have no idea what this fall is going to look like. And we're still making decisions on, on if we're meeting in person and what all that's going to be. But, but as your student is getting ready to make this transition, there's some practical things that I think you should just be really aware of and some conversations you can start having with your kids. First of all, you need to make sure they know how to do their laundry, right? You need to make sure that they know how to cook a few meals. Um, those things are important and so many students get here and, and I get asked those questions like, Hey, uh, where do I put the soap? You know, I'm like, are you kidding me? How do you not know that? Um, so yeah, make sure your kids know how to do those things. Make sure. Did you see that YouTube channel where the, it was the, the guy like started this YouTube channel, uh, stuff yes. that my dad should have taught me or something yes. like that. And like millions of subscribers right away like yes yeah so uh, you're speaking from experience i think whenever you say yeah actually teach them to do the laundry yes. that would be a, yeah. a good idea so, so i didn't mean to cut you off least, <laughs> no you're good at the very least make sure that they know what youtube channel to look at so that they can learn these things if you don't want to teach them but uh but yeah i would say like so definitely those practical things talk about money talk about um, like, are they going to have their own credit card or what is that going to look like? And, and are they going to work? Or are they not going to work? But then I just think there are some other conversations you can have with your student as they begin to transition. There are, are conversations about expectations. Ask them why they're going to college. Ask them like why they chose the college that they're going to so that it's not what you think or what you're saying as a parent, but you're hearing it back from them. Like, these are my desires. This is where I see myself going. This is why I want to pursue this thing. As I have a conversation about expectations on grades, right? So don't expect perfection of your freshman. It is a massive transition from high school to college. And some students are just exceptionally bright and they're gonna get straight A's and it's gonna be great. And there are other students, and I see this all the time, I was one of these students that they were exceptional in high school because it was easy and they get to college and it's not easy anymore and they don't do very well. And it took me a couple of semesters of basically flunking out before I finally pulled it together and realized, okay, I need to try a different approach to this. But have a conversation about expectations. Like, what are you expecting? What are they hoping for when it comes to grades? And then this is the biggest one. And this is specifically for parents with seniors who are sending their kids off. Have a conversation about frequency of coming home. Now, certainly the further away they travel, the lower the frequency will be. But I get it, like especially if there are younger siblings at home, you want your kid to come home, you want them to to still be a part of the family and to know that you love them and, and whatever else, and that's great. But I cannot tell you how important it is for a freshman to be at school their freshman year a majority of the time. If they're going home every single weekend or even two or three weekends out of the month, it is very difficult for them to build community and to plant roots at college and they need that they need that off time with their friends to go to the lake or to go on a 2 a.m run to a burger joint or whatever that looks like they need that to build those relationships to have those experiences and and a lot of the pressure of coming home is going to be on you or the safety right if we haven't taught them to have discernment and taught them how to make their own decisions they feel like they need to run home to mom and dad because that's the only safe place and so it, there's this balance of like keeping them at an arm's length during their freshman year to let them say, 
experience like, hey, you need to figure this out in some respects. And we're always here. We're not abandoning you, but we want you to be there and to experience college and everything else. And and so I just think those are some important conversations to have with your students as they're getting ready to transition. And that way you're on the same page. You know what to expect from each other. Uh, uh, have a conversation on frequency of communication. Like, do you expect them to text you every day, to call you three times a week? Uh, they're going to forget when they get to college and they get involved. And there's four at A&M, there are over 1000 student organizations. Wow. Like it's insane. So <laughs> there's so much stuff to get involved in and there's so many churches and there's intramurals and there's all this stuff, student government. And you were in college at one point and you know that as a parent. So like give them some breathing room have a conversation about frequency of communication, et cetera. And, and it'll, it's going to be okay. Take a deep breath. I know parents that you are nervous as you send your kid off and you want to be there to protect them. But again, this is their first first by themselves and, and let them experience that. Let them experience it on their terms. Like they are an adult now. And it doesn't mean that you walk away. You're the safety net, but don't be there and bail them out every time and fix everything for them. They've got to learn to do it for themselves. Yeah. Quick follow up on that. Like, what do you do with uh, commuting students? Like, how would you, what kind of advice would you have as far as the whole, like, obviously they're visiting home all the time because they're living at home. But like, if sure. if somebody's, because yeah. like Louisville, we're a commuting kind of if you go to U of L, right. man, you pretty much live at home. Some of them don't, but uh, just thinking about that, like, so how do you help kind of encourage that uh, with students who live at home? How do you do? You, do you have to like push them out and and encourage them to get involved yeah. in the extracurricular stuff? I know it's all different, but you know, I it is. It's different for every student, and, and I think parents like you have some discernment, and if you see that your student is just getting comfortable staying at home and not putting themselves out there, then yeah, you may need to encourage that. Or it may be the opposite and your student is like, okay, I'm living here because it's free rent, but I don't want to have anything to do with my family anymore because I'm a college student. Again, it's just having the conversation about boundaries, recognizing, yes, they're still your kid. Yes, they're still living under your roof, but maybe start to ease up on some of those expectations on when your curfew is or how many family dinners you expect them to be a part of or if they make every single t-ball game for their younger sibling. <laughs> like maybe start to ease up on some of that and just have a conversation again about what those expectations look like. And I think as parents, like it's important for you to to decipher that and, and it, it's going to be different for everyone and see, yeah, my kid is just like they don't seem to be making any friends. And, and then maybe it's like, hey, let's go try and visit a church together that's not our home church where you don't know everyone and maybe get plugged in somewhere else. And that doesn't mean that you leave your church as parents, but like help them find a church that has a college ministry. And I know that certainly in, in Kentucky, in Louisville, that Louisville area, I have, both my sisters live there. So I, I know that there are places that have college ministries and and so helping them find something that they're passionate about, encourage them to go out for a club or an organization or whatever. But I think it all comes back to expectations, having those conversations with your students. Um, if they're going to be living at home, especially, it needs to be different when they start college. If they're staying at home. It needs to be different. Like as a parent, you need to expect that it would be different and, yeah. and encourage that difference so that they really can start standing on their own two feet. 
Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting. Um, you know, you got to think of it as a as a transition where it's it's there, you're no longer uh, that high schooler that's living at home, but you're also not necessarily one hundred percent an adult sure. yet. You know, like it's it's that it's adolescence is what it is. It's like it's just this late adolescence where we're we're over here going. Yep. I, I want all of the response. I want all of the benefits of being an adult but none of the responsibilities right. or very few of those responsibilities. And so as a parent, it's slowly giving up or slowly adding those responsibilities so that yeah. eventually they will have all of the responsibilities and all of the benefits of being Well, yeah, because if you, if you don't do that, then you're going to have a 22, 23, 24-year-old still living in mom and dad's home because they haven't figured out how to do life on their own. They haven't figured out how to take responsibility, how to stand on their own two feet. And if you hold their hand all the way through college, like you are not setting them up for success. You're actually holding them back from living their best life. And, and I, I'm not in any way saying that what you have for them is not best or, or for their best interest, but you're holding them back from becoming the best version of themselves because you're doing everything for them. Yeah. I mean, eventually they're going to, they do need to, we all have had to grow up. Right. And, and we don't want right. to, hopefully <laughs> we don't want to, but, but there are benefits to growing up. Like then you have your own yeah. kids and, yeah, and sure. you know, then, then you get to experience that side of things. And so, uh, it's definitely yeah. a, a patience game. It's definitely a slow release and it's definitely a, at times, uh, like I need to push you a little bit more than yeah. what I'm comfortable yeah, with sure. and then what you're comfortable with. So, uh, those are always fun conversations to have. So, um, yeah. Uh, any, you got anything else? I know you, you came up with that one at the last, at the buzzer. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's about that's most of the stuff that I had uh, that's all you got written down beforehand so awesome yeah. awesome Chris thank you so much for uh, joining me today this has been a cool conversation definitely I hope it's been valuable for some parents it's probably been a lot of um, reaffirming some things that people already have been thinking sure um, probably already know but uh, at the same time it's it's a lot more easy to talk about it than to live it and so I appreciate your experience definitely. and your uh, thoughts and wisdom on things and uh, thank you for being here and uh, you know hey uh, I guess I think you've got a YouTube channel that I need to plug while I you're do, here yeah. with me <laughs> yeah. tell me about it yeah uh, just it it's Chris Shepard. I haven't posted in like two <laughs> months because of coronavirus, but yeah, so it's a mixture of some just like lifestyle stuff and things that I'm learning. And there's some teaching stuff on there, some college ministry stuff. It's a, a little bit all over the place. I started in January and, um, nice, fun little side hobby, but that's actually how you and I met. So it's, yep. it's been fun. It's yeah, been cool. it's, it's been, it's fun to watch other people do this crazy YouTube thing. So um, but yeah, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for, uh, being here with me and, uh, Absolutely. we will, uh, talk to you later. I hope that everything is, goes great with your ministry this year. I know it's a crazy year, so, uh, we'll be praying for you, but thanks again. And, uh, we'll talk to you later. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it. I really hope you got value from today's conversation. Please feel free to leave a comment and let me know what you think. And we will see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.